I'm really grateful to be here, and thank you for uh, inviting me to speak here. I feel very welcome as well. My name is Carl, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I've been sober since uh, January 13, 2008, and I'm embarrassed to say that this is my first time at Bolden. So uh, all this time that I've been sober, this is my first time that I come here, so I'm going to have to remedy that from this point forward. Thank you for receiving me and having me here today. Um, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, uh, I'm not checking my Facebook. I'm just uh, <laughs> actually have some notes. Uh, uh, so my childhood, I was born and raised in Mexico, Mexico City. Um, what I thought at the time was a normal family, um, although uh, now I realize that you know I was raised by a, uh, a narcissistic dad. Um, and a very inexperienced mom. Um, uh, you know, I didn't really pay much attention when, while I was growing up, but I realized now that that influenced the person that I became. Um, my first drink um, was probably, I, I want to say maybe eight or nine years old. Uh, I was, it was an Easter uh, meal that I uh, was given a little bit of alcohol just for fun. I tried it, you know, I didn't really like the taste, but I, I drank the whole thing and I, I remember just laughing my ass off thinking that this was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked the way that it made me feel. Uh, I didn't like the taste. But that's, that was the, my first experience with alcohol. <laughs> and a little side note, my grandmother used to make this cake for my birthday that I loved and it was this chocolate raspberry cake that was, every time I took a bite of it, it had this little kind of tingy taste to it. And I didn't realize that until I was a, an adult that it actually was made with rum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe that was a little bit of an incentive uh, to kind of start me on my way to alcoholism. But um, I, I didn't really have much of a, of a childhood alcohol connection. Um, when I was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really drink in, in middle school. I didn't drink in high school. I went to boarding school in Canada. And it was an all boys. It was very uh, 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 protected, and it didn't, there was no alcohol available, so it didn't really wasn't even a, a question. The summers I would spend in Mexico uh, visiting my friends, and I remember one summer I think it may have been uh, sixteen or seventeen. Uh, we had a really long day playing sports, and my friends and I uh, went get a, got a beer, and I remember you know, being super thirsty and just downing this Tecate all the way down and just feeling like I was on top of the world, like this feeling, just, you know, feeling every, every cell in my body. It just was so fulfilling. It, and I remember that very vividly. Uh, it was very, very rewarding. And, uh, and I wanted to get that feeling again later. Uh, you know, when I went to college, uh, I went to UT here in Austin, and it was uh, I was no longer restricted. There was no uh, I was pretty much able to do whatever I wanted. Now I was an adult, and it's like, oh, keg parties, sure, I'll join that. You know, um, I drank like a college student, uh, and 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 had my fill, uh, and I really really liked it. Uh, after college. Uh, you know, my friends grew up and became adults, and I continued to drink as a college student. Um, I started playing with bands. I'm a musician, um, and uh, you know that environment uh, was very 
generous with their alcohol. Uh, you know, every time we played, we got free drinks, uh, you know, and I, I drank with impunity. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It gave me a sense of, uh, of uh, freedom. Um, I felt awkward without a, a drink in my hand. I felt, I felt awkward being in public or being uh, among people um, without having some kind of substance inside me. Uh, alcohol gave me that courage to be able to uh, walk up to people and have conversations. It made me feel like I was cool. It made me feel like I could uh, be one-on-one -on -one with other people. And that's kind of a pattern in my life. I remember as a kid also, I felt I, felt I was... Uh, it's kind of like the black sheep of my family. I, I always felt like I, was, I didn't belong really with my siblings. I didn't really belong with my friends. I always felt like they were cool and I was not. I always felt awkward. I always felt like not a part of. And alcohol gave me that. It gave me like, yeah, I, I belong here. This is awesome. You know, I can party with the best of them. And uh, it was great. Um, you know, it didn't really affect my life much. You know, it was, it was working. Uh, you know, I remember the one time in college, there was this uh, bar in, uh, on the drag, I don't know if it's still anymore, called Nasties, and uh, they had, back then, uh, Wednesday pitchers of margarita for, I think, like $1.50, something ridiculous, ever, ever, ever clear margaritas. And of course, you would find me every Wednesday at Nasties, and uh, I would ride my motorcycle to Nasties and go back to my dorm. Uh, and one time, I remember... Uh, Riding, riding a motorcycle with my friend, and, I, and we weren't wearing helmets. And uh, he, was, he was behind me, and I was, you know, riding. He was, uh, I was giving him a ride back to the dorm after we had been drinking all night long. And I remember getting to a stop sign and just pulling out a wheelie and, and falling backwards. And, and my friend, you know, burned his leg and he scraped, his, uh, uh, scraped, he scraped his leg and also burned it with an with exhaust pipe. And we just laughed it off, you know. I, I, it, didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that I, I was endangering his life. It was not even part of my consciousness. We just laughed it off and, 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 and kept going. And that was a big part of my story. I, I drank and, drive, I, and drove every single time that I drank, with very few exceptions. Um, later on, you know, the, the bands and all that, you know, I, I, uh, I, had, I had tried pot once and I really liked it um, it's okay to talk about other substances oh, yeah. okay. All of it. so I tried I tried, <laughs> I tried pot and I, and I really liked it it was fun I was like laughing my ass off with these friends and then uh, I tried it again later and, and it made me really paranoid so I was like nah that's not for me I had I was I was really scared of cocaine because I heard that it was really addictive and I was like oh, I don't know about that uh, but one time you know uh, in an after party, after we had played with some friends, some 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 guy uh, invited us to this to his home, and there was this plethora of cocaine, and was passing it around. And I was, okay, I'll try it, and I tried it, and I really liked it. God, man, I stayed up all night making plans with my friends, my bandmates, and I were like, we're gonna conquer the fucking world. This is gonna be awesome. And, and I woke up the next day feeling like shit. Um, and remembering, man, I love that. I'm never going to do it again because it is too fucking scary. So I swore I would never do it. But I kept drinking like crazy. Uh, you know, um, I, um, you know when, I, when I was in college, I was here on a student visa. And eventually uh, I got married and 
with the, with that, I, I got a, a permanent resident status, basically a green card. Um, I kept playing. I, I married a singer-songwriter, and so that was a very nice package. We'd go out and party at night, you know. Uh, and uh, I was I started doing some work during the day that was, it was becoming successful, um, writing music for commercials, doing that kind of thing, producing bands, and um, and that was really going well. And my motto was uh, work hard, play hard. And in the beginning, I did not mix the alcohol, you know, did not mix them too. You know, I I was very dedicated to my work, and at night I would party, and it was like my reward for working hard. And uh, you know, I was making decent money, and uh, I was I was spending it very very uh, carelessly as well. Um, uh, had a son, uh, and uh, which is he's become the the biggest gift in my life. At the time, you know, it was a responsibility, and uh, you know, I, I've always loved him. Uh, I never abused him in any way, but. Um, uh, you know, life, my married life started to take a turn. It was, uh, we were not really happy together, uh, I'm sure. Um, I know there's, she's got a part in it, but I definitely know my part had a lot to do with my alcoholism and my, my alcoholic behavior and my self-centered uh, views of the world and the way that I thought things should be. Um, you know, at one point during that process, I got, uh, I got arrested. This was in 2000. 2001, I got arrested for a PI. And it was in one of the bars that I'd hung out all the time. You know, I was in there just drinking like I've always done. Um, uh, my wife at the time, she had a, uh, a happy hour gig at the Lucky Lounge. Uh, and at, back in the, those days, there was this other bar next door called the Red Fest. And both of them were owned by the same person. And so I knew the owners very well. And so I felt like I owned the place. And so I had, and this happy hour, you know, would show up very conveniently. I was running sound for my wife, and so show up at five o'clock, uh, and they give me big ass Bacardi and Coke with a little bit, you know, this much Bacardi and about this much Coke. And I'd start at five o'clock, you know, Friday. I earned it. This is awesome. And so by the time the happy hour was over, I was wasted. And this is not even nine o'clock. So I go next door, start partying in there. The place starts getting packed. You know, it's getting to be night. I stepped outside for a second to take a call or something like that. And when I try to get back in, the bouncer tells me, you can't go back in. You're too drunk. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and thinks, don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> uh, and, and, and the guy's like, where the, fuck, where, where the fuck's the owner? I know the owner. And the guy's like, he's not here. And if you don't leave right now, I'm going to call the cops. I'm like, well, call the fucking cops. You know, I just told him <laughs> off and I, and I started walking off. And the cops might have, must have been like right around the corner because they showed up immediately and I was like, fuck. So I just run straight into Lucky Lounge and I went upstairs, you know, trying, trying to hide from the cops. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I got this friend that's a cop. So I call him and, uh, and he's on the phone and the cops are walking up to me and they tell me, it's like, put the phone down. And I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to one of you guys. Hang on a second. And, uh, and, and the guy goes, I don't care. Put the phone down. And it's like, just a second. I'm trying to tell this guy. And the next thing I know, I got my hand behind my back, you know, phones dropped and they're carrying me down, you know, uh, just, you know, into the car, the belligerent, um, screaming obscenities to the cops, you know. Uh, they put me in the back of, of, of their cruiser and I start calming down. And the cop gets in, inside in the front seat 
And he looks at me, he's like, why do we have to fight? We just wanted to talk to you. It's like, well, can we talk now? I asked, you know, it's like, no, it's too late, dude. We're booking you now. So I spent the night in jail. The next day I had a session that I did not show up for because I was in jail. And so I had to call these people and tell them, hey, you know, I got arrested. You know, sorry, I missed your session. They were all pissed off that I hadn't shown up. And they're like, oh, they're so unfair. You know, like, yeah, they were. It's very unfair that they arrested me. Uh, It was very self-righteous. And, uh, and. you know, at one point in the crowd that I, was, that I was hanging out with at the time, there were a couple of people that were not drinking. And one of them was a good friend. You know, we were all kind of a camaraderie. And this guy kind of saw something in me that kind of inspired him to take me to a meeting. And, and I said, sure, I'll go to a meeting. Why not? And so we went to an AA meeting. This was in, in 2001. This is after my PI. And I show up at this meeting. It's somewhere in, in West Austin. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and I, you know, I heard people talk. It, it all kind of was like, I didn't understand anything that anybody was saying. Uh, and at the end of the meeting, they asked if anybody wanted the leadership. I was like, I guess I could, I, I'll take one. Why not? And so I, I took a chip. And then at the end of the meeting, somebody comes up to me and goes, you know, you never have to drink ever again. I'm like, oh, and I walk, I was like, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not for me. So I just said, this is. Great for you guys. Thank you. I'm not coming. This is not for me. So uh, I kept on drinking. Uh, I, I had a lot of um, near misses. You know, like I said, I, I drunk, drunk, drunk and drove almost every time. At one point, I, uh, I was driving home and I, I scraped the car just like on, on my neighbor's uh, mailbox just before I made it home. Like the whole side of the door and the back door, and I'm like, "Fuck!" The only thing I could think of was like, "I almost made it," you know. <laughs> not, not anywhere in my consciousness I was driving drunk. None of that, you know. I almost made it. Fuck, you know. And uh, I lied to the insurance company. I told them there was I had a near miss with a deer, and that uh, you know I had to swerve and and that uh, I scraped the car, and they bought it. You know, uh, I never thought of myself as a dishonest person, mm-hmm. but I was lying. I, I lied constantly. I, I committed insurance fraud. Uh, uh, you know, um, I rediscovered cocaine. Uh, it came back into my life. You know, it, this was in uh, my late thirties, and at that point, I thought, "It's like you know, I'm I'm big enough for this now. You know, I can handle it." Uh, and it was it was a really uh, it was like this gift that I was like, "Now I can continue drinking without falling asleep. This is awesome." Um, so. Um, uh, you know, it was one of those things that uh, I, uh, it just kind of appeared in my life, you know, and I, 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 I kept drawing these, these li- lines on the sand. It's like, well, I, I'm, I'm never going to look for it. You know, if it's there, I'll do it, you know. And so I would do it when it was there. And then, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I was showing up to the places where I knew it was going to be there. Uh, it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to carry it. I'm, I'm never going to have it in my hands. It's like, sure. You know, a little bit later, I started, you know, carrying my own little baggie. You know, if anybody had some, I would take it with me. Uh, I'm never going to do it alone. Sure enough, later, I was doing it alone. Well, I'm, I'm never going to buy it. I'm never going to have a dealer. Those lines, I kept crossing them. I kept crossing them. And I could not stop, you know. Uh, and uh, I, was, I was becoming a, a blackout drunk. Uh, I would drink. 
I didn't drink every night, uh, and I didn't black out every time that I drank, but I, I drank very, very often, and I often blacked out. And I started feeling this sense of uh, anxiety every morning, not knowing what I did the night before. Uh, and, you know, I would wake up with like, who did I offend? Did I piss on? How did I get home? Did I hurt somebody? Uh, and, you know, showing up at places where people were like, hey, man, that was so much fun. I was like, I was like what happened? You know, and it was like, you were so funny. I'm like, really? You know, uh, having that anxiety, not knowing what I had done. Uh, and uh, it got to the point where I started accepting that, well, I guess this is just going to be my life. I'm going to have a, a, a dual life, a life where, you know, blackout Carl is going to take care of Carl. And, you know, at least, you know, I, I, I you know, I have this, this theory that blackout Carl is going to do what's right during the time that we're blacked out. Uh, you know, rather than even consider stopping. That was not even in my, in my consciousness at the time. Um, I kept going the same way. Um, I, you know, I started thinking, well, I might have a problem. Uh, and there was more than one occasion I tried a couple of different things. You know, there was, uh, I remember more than once I tried this trick where I would show up at the bar and every time I got a drink, I would grab a napkin and just kind of draw a little line. And I started like three, four, five, and you know, every time I would wake up the next morning not knowing what the fuck happened with a list. You know, because at some point I forgot that I was even counting. You know, so I never knew how much I was drinking. Uh, and, and that scared me. Um, there was at one time that I, I recorded myself with, uh, when I when we started having phones with, uh, that could record, I recorded myself uh, while I was drunk to see how it would sound the next day, to see if I could pass out, pass out. I mean, pass pass off as a as a normal speech with normal speech, and of course I didn't, uh, but I didn't care. Uh, during that time, I, I I noticed there were a couple of people that I had previously partied with hard that I that I saw that were not drinking anymore. And they were kind of starting to appear here and there. I didn't want to have anything new with them, but I, I realized like they're not drinking anymore. And I didn't know why, how, how did that happen? Um, I, uh, I got divorced in 2006 uh, after, after 11 years. My son was eight at the time. And uh, that kind of threw me down a downward spiral. Uh, it was, uh, it was, I, I, it was very painful for me emotionally, and I thought I, you know, drink, the drinking and the alcohol, I mean, then the drugs, were a really great vehicle for me to just not feel anything. So for about six months, I just partied even harder than I had up to that point. Um, and then one time, uh, you know, at, at that year, I decided to start seeking uh, my citizenship. You know, if you're, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the system here, but you know, after. After five years of being uh, uh, having a green card, you, you're allowed to apply for citizenship. And I, had, I hadn't done it. I, I hadn't even thought about it until I got divorced. Well, it's probably a good idea to try it now. So mm -hmm. I, um, I, I started applying for citizenship. It's a long process, you know. And that summer, uh, on July 7th of 2007, 777, I was invited to this party, uh, the 77 Lucky Sevens party. Mm -hmm. And I went to that, you know, without any intention of staying up late or doing anything, just kind of uh, just wanted to go hang out with friends. 
So I went there, started drinking, and sure enough, somebody showed up, had some blow. It's like, mm, sure, why not? It's here. And so, um, you know, how the saying, you know, you take a drink and then the, the drink takes a drink and then you're, you're just swimming in it. So, and that was kind of a theme for me. I, I did not, like I said, I did not um, drink every night and I did, I did not pass out. I mean, I did not uh, black out every, every time that I drank. But the problem was that every time that I started, there was no way of telling how the night was going to end. <coughs> I could not predict with any sense of certainty if I was going to go home in a couple hours or if I was going to stay up until the next morning and not know where I wake up. Um, at one point, uh, I remember I, um, I, I, uh, I ended up in a car going to a party with strangers that I didn't know and they were going the wrong direction. And Atlanta's like, wait a minute, where are we going? Oh, we're going to this such and such ranch. She's like, no, 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 no. Let me out of here. And, and, and I ended up in the middle of the highway of 290, walking without knowing where the fuck I was, trying to hail a cab to get back to some sense of where I belong. Um, and it was crazy. Uh, there was another time when uh, I, um, I was at a, at a bar uh, at, uh, at Momos, if you guys remember Momos. Um, and I had, that was one of my hangouts and, and uh, I crapped my pants. Um, and, uh, and, and my infinite wisdom of, uh, uh, in my, in, in my alcoholism, um, I decided to try to flush, uh, the, my underwear in the toilet, you know, which of course did not work. And, and I stayed for the after party and, and the guy that was, that was there, one of the bar managers that knows me very well, he's like, Hey, you shit your pants, didn't you? Like, no, I didn't. Hey, of course I didn't, you know? And it's like, well, that shit happened. At another time, at another time while I was still married, I got home. I got home and I, uh, and I, 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 I woke up the next morning with this, with this fear. It's like, I, I, think I, sh- I, I think I took a, a, a piss in, in one of the trash cans in the house. In my house. When, with my, my, my wife and my son in the house. And I'm, I'm looking, I looked around everywhere and before she woke up, it's like, where is it, where is it? It's like, I couldn't find the trash can where I had peed in. It's like, well, maybe I dreamt it. Oh, okay, maybe it was just a dream. That afternoon, uh, my wife calls me. Oh, guess, guess what? Spikey peed in the trash can in the laundry room. He was trapped in there. He bl- she blamed the, she thought it was a dog. You know? <laughs> And it was, I didn't check, I didn't think to check the laundry room. That's where I had peed and fucking, I mean, the bathroom was like next door. But for some reason, I thought it was just uh, the great place to pee when I got home into the trash can. And of course, I didn't, I didn't own it. It's like, she's blaming the dog. Let the dog take the blame for it. I wish I could make an advance to that dog, but uh, he's long gone. But anyway, going back to the party. Uh, in July 7th, 777, I went there with the intention of just having a few drinks and staying up for a little bit and coming back home relatively early. And, well, I started doing cocaine. The next uh, thing I know, we're invited to this after party, so we go to that, of course. Um, and uh, I end up in some guy's apartment that I've never met. There was a few people that I knew, and we stayed up, you know. And th- the thing about that, when I start drinking like that, when I start doing cocaine, whatever's on the table, wait, I'll take it. You know, it's like, oh, t- try this pill. Why not? Let's do that. Oh, here's some hash. Let's do, oh, let's do that. Because I didn't care. If, I, if it changed the way I feel, I'll try it. 
And so that morning, I remember getting in the car about 7, 7 a.m. And the sun was out, and it's like many times before. And I get in the car, and I start driving. And the place was about five minutes from where the apartment I was living at the time. And so I start driving, and the next thing I know, uh, I come to in a spinning car with the airbags deployed. And, and I go, what the fuck? And I end up in a ditch uh, on the side of the road, and I don't even know where I am. So I'm looking around, and I'm just annoyed because I just want to get home and go to sleep. I just want to get in my bed. So I try to start the car again, and it won't go on. I'm like fucking pissed about that. And there's this guy that stops and he's like, hey, man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, you know, your wheel's over there. I'm like, what? And so I'm like, after a while, it's fucking crazy. I get out, and I look, and, and my whole, the whole back of my car is completely destroyed. There's no tire, no wheel, no nothing. And, you know, I was really lucky because if it if I had gotten hit just like, you know, two feet forward, I'd, I'd probably be in the hospital or worse. Um, but it was completely destroyed right behind me. And then I go like, what the fuck? I started getting concerned. And I look over down, down, the, down the road and I see around the corner, there's an ambulance and another car. And that's when it started dawning me. I was like, I, I was in an accident and, and, and there's another car involved. And, uh, and I see the sheriff walking towards me and I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to tell him, you know. It's like, sure, officer, I had a couple of drinks. Um, and this is on a Sunday morning, about 9.30. I had been driving during a blackout for about two hours, and I ended up on Highway 150 towards, uh, towards uh, uh, San Marcos. And, and I had no idea how I got there. And so uh, he puts me in the cruiser. Of course, I failed the, the alcohol test. He does this thing. And... Uh, and he says, I'll do a breathalyzer. I want to do a breathalyzer. And, and I learned my lesson from being belligerent to the previous cops. Sure, we'll do the breathalyzer. And I'm so glad that, that I agreed to that because otherwise it would have taken blood and they would have found every other substance that was in my body. So all they charged me at the time was with uh, a DWI. But as we we're driving off, I see they're, they're, uh, this lady in a gurney being wheeled into the ambulance. And I'm like, oh, I hope she's going to be okay. Well, what's going on? And she goes, I think she broke her arm, the cop said. Okay, so uh, I swore at that point, I'm never going to drink and drive again. I, I swore it. I would never do it. Uh, I spent the night in jail. They released me on bail. Uh, I go to my apartment. Uh, I try to manipulate my wife uh, to help me get a rental car. Uh, and she, in, in her wisdom, she says, you know, I, I really don't want to enable you. And I, whoa. My God, the indignation of her saying that to me. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know, how can you, you know, how can you not help me? Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I had to deal with that. Um, it's the first kind of a uh, back, uh, uh, back push that she had ever given me. And uh, uh, at, at the time, like I said, I was being charged with a, with a DWI. And... Um, I was I was taking calves places and I, I I I somehow I manipulated a situation where I could get a car again. Uh, I got a lawyer that was helping with the DWI. They 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 argued that I needed the car for my work, and so I I got it. So uh, for about a month I didn't drink and drive, and then it's like after a couple of beers, like well it's just a couple of beers I can get and drive. And within two or three months, I was back to the exact same behavior, you know. And the, the longer the time passed, the, 
the the less I felt connected to that uh, to, to that accident. I thought oh, it was just an accident, you know. It was really no big deal, and and they kept postponing my my court date, you know. It was, it was just a DWI, and I kept getting cocky. You know, it's like oh, they're postponing because it's probably not a big deal to them. You know, it's probably I'm just a minor case. Um, so I started getting confident again. I started drinking just as much and uh, using as much and driving as much. And then in January of 2008, um, you know, I get a call. I mean, January 13th of 2008, it was a Saturday night, and, and I had gone out to drink. It wasn't really that much. Uh, I didn't do any blow that night. But I remember waking up the next morning feeling sick to my stomach. I was throwing up. I, I must have eaten something. I, I could not keep anything in. I was had terrible diarrhea, and it lasted for two or three days. So I was feeling horrible. And Wednesday, I had a court date. And so I called my lawyer on Tuesday, you know, it's like, hey, what's going on? Are we going to do this this time? And, and the guy says, well, you know, I didn't want to tell you until I was sure, but the reason why they keep postponing your case is because they're moving you to felony court. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, they're indicting you for intoxication assault and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, so I call my immigration lawyer and I tell him the situation. It's like, well, so what, how does, what does this do to our situation? You know, and he gets real quiet and tells me, Carl, if there's anybody that owes you any favors, right now is the time to cash them because if they, if, they, uh, if they convict you of either of those two charges, they're going to deport you out of the country and they'll never let you back in. I'm like, what? I've been here for 20-something years. Like, they don't care about that. I have, I, have a, I have a son, a young son here. Like, they don't care about that. And that scared me. That really sunk in me. At that point, I, was, uh, I, I, was, I felt completely helpless. Uh, I, I, I did not realize how much my, my behavior was, was sending me into a, into a path of, 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 of circumstances that at the time uh, I, I saw as catastrophic. <clears throat> the prospect of being pulled away from my son and not being able to come back here scared the shit out of me. And I was already broken uh, physically. I, had been, I hadn't been able to keep anything uh, in my stomach for the last three days. And I literally collapsed to my knees. I dropped the phone uh, and, I, and I, I started crying. I started bawling. And through this, this that torrent of tears, just I collapsed into, the, into my carpet. And I remember just saying, God, please help me. God, please help me. It's the first time that I sincerely meant it. And I didn't know who to call. I, didn't, I was broke. I had spent all this money on this lawyer. Um, uh, uh, you know, there was all these legal fees and uh, fines and all these things that I had to pay for. And I thought, I was like, I, I, I'll call my therapist. Uh, and so I called my therapist and, and I explained to her, it's like, you know, I, told, told, I really need some help, but I, I, don't, I don't have a way to pay you. And she said, come Friday, don't worry about the money, we'll, we'll go through this together. And that was the first time, the first of many people that, that offer their help to me um, it, it, at the time where I felt I at least deserved it. She saw me for eight months without ask, charging me a penny. And uh, at that point, I committed to not drinking anymore again, ever. And I didn't know how to do it, but I, I knew that I, uh, that I needed to stop. And so I, I white-knuckled it. For about three months, I did not have a drink on my own. And I can honestly say those three, three months, first, first three months of my sobriety were the most isolating, most lonely, most scary three months that I've ever had to experience in my life. Because 
I knew that I could not drink again, but I could not imagine a world without alcohol. I didn't know how life would be like that. So, um, as part of the 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 DWI charge that I had originally gotten, I had to get uh, uh, a DWI class, and so I went to this class, and uh, it was a seven, seven five or seven, I can remember, a week long class that would show up every day. And the the guy that I was teaching that DWI class was this older gentleman, very very nice, very gentle. At the end of the class, he selected a few of us um, to do an exit interview. And I guess he must have seen something special in me to ask me for the exit interview. And so he took me to his office by myself and we started talking. And he said, well, how are you going to avoid doing this again? And I said, well, I'm just not going to drink anymore. So what happens is you, if you start again? And I didn't know what the question meant. I did not understand the question. He said, have you tried AA? Have you thought of AA? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, he did not force me at the time. He did not force me to go to AA. And he's like, well, just a suggestion, you know, you might want to try checking it out. And, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks after that, I, I thought, you know, everybody that I know up to, that I knew up to that point drank as much or more than I did because I, the last couple of decades, I had surrounded myself with people that drank as much or more than I did. So I didn't know anybody that didn't drink. And so... I decided, well, fuck it, I'll go to a meeting uh, just to see if I can meet people that are not drinking. Just to, you know. And so I showed up, showed up at, uh, uh, at uh, uh, God, I'm spacing on the name right now. Um, uh, anyway, I showed up at a meeting. Uh, it was, it, it, the, the guy has suggested to go to two or three meetings a week, and I'm like, oh, two three meetings a week? I don't have enough time for that. That's too much. Mm-hmm. And so I started going, you know, uh, and, uh, and, you know, started hearing people. I started always, you know, I was like, you know, I, I'm not like that person. I'm not like, oh, I, I, that didn't happen to me. I'm not like that. I was like, uh, the whole world, the word alcoholic carried so much baggage for me. Uh, I had a lot of contempt towards it. And somebody, but I said, I kept coming back. Uh, uh, I was desperate. And so... I started hearing people saying, it's like, don't look at the difference, to look at the similarities, you know? And I started softening into that, you know? And I started hearing, well, you know, that did happen to me. I, I, I did shit my pants that one time, you know? <laughs> so uh, I started remembering these things, you know, connecting is like, you know, I, 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 am, I have more similarities than I was willing to admit in the beginning. And so, um, and so, uh, and people started telling me, it's like, you should get a sponsor, you get a sponsor. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to fucking. And you know what was funny? It's like when I started going to the meetings, you know, nobody asked me to say I was an alcoholic. Nobody demanded anything from me. Nobody told me that I should do this or that. And I saw the word God on, on the board, and I was like, ah, God, no, no, no. <laughs> um, and the one thing, the one saving grace is that, that under, under, as we understood him line, that's like, okay, well, that, that was a little, enough of a crack of a, of, of, of a, of a gateway into the, into the possibility that maybe I can create my own version of what I think spirituality is. I didn't have to subscribe to anybody's point of view of what God might be. And that was enough of a, uh, of a pass for me to continue to come. Um, so what I would say when I, when I first got into these meetings, I was like, I would say... Uh, my name is Carl, and I'm here to find out. And, and nobody questioned that. 
Nobody told me that was wrong to say that. Nobody said anything about it. Um, and within a month or so, I realized, you know, I did have more in, uh, in common than, than I was willing to admit in the beginning. And I started saying, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, you know. And I, um, even though I, don't, I didn't, you know, deep inside, I wasn't really ready to accept that myself. But I started saying it. And eventually, after people had suggested I take, get a sponsor, there was this one guy that sat right next to me. I had never seen him at this meeting. And he said something that really, really connected with me. Uh, he shared at the end of the meeting, you know, when they raised their hands for the sponsors. He did not raise his hand, but I didn't care. I went to him like, hey, will you sponsor me? And the guy was like, sure, I'll sponsor you. Uh, and uh, the guy uh, at the time had uh, three uh, young kids and, and two newborn twins. So his hands were full, and he still took me on. I did not see that at the time. I was just like, well, you know. I saw the word service in AA. I was like, yeah, I need service. Give me some service. <laughs> and so um, the guy was so generous with his time with me. He, he took care of me. He took me on this swing. We did, we did the steps. And at the time, I made this commitment, internal commitment. Uh, you know, I'm going to give this a year, and I'm going to do everything that this guy tells me to do without question. I was desperate. And if it doesn't work, then I'll know at least it wasn't because I didn't try. It's just it doesn't work. And sure enough, it, it actually worked. I did the steps as, as, as I was asked to do. I did my fourth step. I, I did my fifth step. I did my amends. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the back of my head, I still thought, it's like, well, maybe what if, what if I'm not an alcoholic, and, you know, and I'm just kind of doing this thing? And I told this to my sponsor at the time. He was like, yeah, sometimes I thought. And he had the time. He had like 20-something years. You know, but I'd rather or on the side of thinking that I'm not an alcoholic but doing the work than being an alcoholic and not doing shit about it. And that really helped me. That got me through it. Another thing that he said to me that was really, really helpful because I was like envisioning a life not drinking ever again was so scary for me. It's like, how, how can I possibly wrap my head around that? He said, um, you know, you don't have to commit to the whole life. Just commit to today. Make a decision today. Can you commit to not drinking today? I was like, yeah, I can commit to that. Okay, well, tomorrow you might think differently. You know, Tomorrow, ask yourself the same question. And you give yourself permission to, to decide to drink tomorrow if you want. And that really, that's the one day at a time that I did not, I was not getting from the original one day at a time saying, he, he made it so clear to me there. Like, okay, I can do that. I can commit to not drinking today. And tomorrow I can make a different decision. But since that day, I've been able to make that decision every day, every day. And it, it's gotten easier. After a year, you know, I still, I mean, after a few months, I still had my doubts, you know, and I was thinking like, well, maybe I, maybe I just don't drink in the States. And when I go up abroad, I'll drink over there and that'll be cool. Because, you know, you know, it's different laws, right? Um, uh, it didn't happen, thank God. Uh, but when I got to the year and I had done the work, I had done the steps and I saw the improvements in my life, I realized, like, why would I stop doing this? This, my life has already improved so much in just one year. Why would I stop? Even if I had any doubts. This is, I mean, I started saying, it's like, this should be called Humans Anonymous. This is just a, a path to a better way of living. I'm better showing up as a human being. Uh, so I kept doing the work, uh, and I, I, my life kept improving. Yeah, and, you know, ever since then, I, I've, I've tried to do my best to live uh, along spiritual lives, uh, along spiritual lines. And, 
you know, put the basis uh, of the program and, and apply these principles in all of my affairs. You know, I, I came to the program just with the idea of maybe help, getting some help to stop drinking and meeting some people that aren't drinking. And what I got was a life beyond any possible uh, uh, concept that I, that I could have conjured up before I stopped drinking. You know, it, it, it was a life, it's a life that I, I did not have the capacity to imagine uh, when I was out there, beyond my, dream, my dreams. I've continued to work. My work is, is uh, some of the, my best work has happened in sobriety. Um, uh, my life keeps getting bigger. Uh, you know, my relationships are deeper, more uh, intimate, more honest. Um, uh, I still have this tendency, an internal tendency to, uh, to respond with, a, with what I think you might want to hear, uh, being dishonest. But I, I can catch that now. Uh, and that's part of, you know, part of my force, that part of, part of my tense, that part of seeing how I'm showing up on a daily basis. The one thing that I've done consistently since I got sober is uh, I, I pray every morning. I start my day uh, saying, thank you, God. I go to bed. I say, thank you, God. Uh, I, that has not swayed. There, there have been periods when I don't meditate. There's periods when I do. There's periods when I'm both feet in the program. There's periods when I only have one foot in, one foot out. But the one thing that I've done consistently is just keep that connection with my higher power on a daily basis. And my, my conception of a high, higher power has varied considerably. And it changes from week to week, from day to day, sometimes from moment to moment. There's been periods in my life where I really do feel uh, a presence a high, of a higher power in my life. And there's times when I, I just act as though if there was. And the reality is that it doesn't matter uh, if, if I'm believing it at the moment or not. If I do the work, my life improves. And, and, and the results are, are, are much more uh, appropriate to, to a person of, uh, of integrity and faith. And I can walk through the circumstances that, that life throws at me with grace uh, and integrity uh, if, I, if I'm uh, conscious enough and I'm present enough to use the tools that this program has given me. Uh, you know, after all of this, at the time, the, 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 my case got resolved uh, in big part because I had already been going to AA and uh, my sponsor got me through all the process that I had to go through. I got probation. I was able to negotiate down to misdemeanors. Uh, I made amends to everybody involved. Um, right now, the, the, uh, the, my relationship with the son, my son has been uh, amazing. Uh, it was great that I got sober at the time that I did because he started to realize what was happening. He started to be conscious of what was going on. Uh, he never saw me drink, but he always saw me as the tired dad, you know, it was always kind of nappy. Uh, but now I have a great relationship with him that's based on honesty and integrity. And, uh, I'm so proud of him. He's, uh, he's now 24, uh, and he's got his own life and is, is a beautiful life. And, and, um, he likes to be with me. He seeks to be with me, which is, sorry. It's one of the biggest gifts this life has ever given me. The fact that my, my son loves me and wants to spend time with me. I'm proud to say that I'm now a citizen. I got my citizenship five years after I got my, uh, uh, I got sober. Um, you know, it was a very special time. Uh, I don't do this program perfectly. 
I still have goals, uh, you know, and I still have, uh, you know, aims in my life, but I, I try not to put as much, um, in, I don't invest as much in the results. I leave those up to my higher power. Uh, and I don't get as agitated or, 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 or in pain when things don't go my way. Uh, I accept things more easily. Uh, the program is the foundation of everything I do. Um, uh, the challenges that show up, I continue to handle uh, if, I, if I'm smart enough to use the, the tools that I've been given. I'm still afraid of certain things, but I can walk through it. Uh, I continue to learn by doing inventory. I talk to my sponsor on a regular basis. And, uh, and every day I learn something new every time that I talk to him. Because even, when, even after all these years that I've been sober, when I do an inventory, I might get a glimpse of the things that I did wrong and I might get a glimpse of, the, of my part in certain situations and how I should have shown up and what I can do instead in the future. But every time that I talk to my sponsor, nine times out of 10, he points something else out that I did not see because he knows me better than I know myself. And I owe him so much. I have less tolerance for the discomfort of being dishonest. I have less tolerance for the discomfort of not showing up as a person of integrity. So I try to make things right as soon as I catch that. I do inventory often, and it's helped me so much. I try to take care of my body, my mind, and my spirit. I had so much contempt for so many things before I, I started this program, and this program opened the door to so many things that I would have never tried, meditation being one of them. And it's one of the biggest tools I have today. It brings me so much peace. It helps me, gives me clarity. It helps me get centered. Yoga, when I was uh, drinking, I thought yoga was uh, for old women. Uh, it was not for me. <laughs> And after I got sober, somebody invited me to try a yoga class. And I said, why not? Let's try it. You know, let's let go of this contempt. And I tried it and I loved it. And it's been a huge part of my spiritual practice today. I'm still an addict. You can ask my housemate about my chocolate addiction and my stash. I'm still growing, uh, uh, you know, using the tools. I keep learning more about myself and how to improve the way I show up in the world. Uh, life is an adventure. I'm so grateful I could be present for it. And I'm looking forward to what's coming next. And thank you for letting me share.